Let's go. Welcome to the Poptimist. Today we have Isaac Short, producer of the year 2018 for the Poptimist podcast. Welcome back. Thanks, man. Thanks How for are you, having bud? me. I'm doing wonderful today, my man. This is, uh, it's always a pleasure getting to hang out with you. It's always a pleasure to be in Greycroft Manor. Thank you. Thank you. I feel the same way every this, day I wake up and... This is a marvelous, marvelous place, and it might be my favorite place in Nashville. <laughs> oh it's a God. special, it's a special sacred place, dude. This is, uh, this is where our friendship started. Well, it started at Exit Yeah, it started at Exit Inn with, um, what was that, Bad, Bad, Not Good. Bad, Bad, Not Good. Yeah. That was the first time I met you. Dude, we hit it off that night, too. We, we were We were talking to you. We started talking music that night. Well, you knew you knew about Stax Records, and you knew who Donald Duck Dunn was. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah, but that's how you know. That's just a good sign. I feel like if you're in Nashville, those are kind of you know, certain things you need to know. That's one of them. Beforehand. There's like a prerequisite. There should be a checklist before, before you arrive. Before you move here? Yeah, it's like you got to know about Donald Duck Dunn, and you got to know who Steve Cropper is. <laughs> Dude, I love Booker T and the MGs. I like that album Melting Pot. Have you ever listened to that before? Oh. You would fucking love it because it's them jamming. Oh, no. So it's like them playing the same thing over and over again for nine minutes. Just yes. straight up groove. Grooving. That's Steve Cropper. It's just, his guitar playing especially was just like, Rhythmically, I met him when I first moved to town. Just randomly, I was I had a cold, and it was they were doing something down at uh, RCA Studios, and there was like some kind of grand opening, and it was just a real shitty day in October, November, mm-hmm. you know, cloudy, kind of cold, and wet, and I had this cold, and I was like, man, I'll go down there and see see what's going on. I heard about it from somebody, and. Um, I get there and they do a little studio tour and it was just a beautiful facility and um, I walk out back and Steve Cropper's doing a set and he played with his hit band was so killer and he played um, all of his hits like you know he, he did he did Soul Man which I was just I like I, I lost my shit over and it was it was so cool uh, he finishes the set and I kind of followed him down into his little Steve Cropper dungeon because he has an office under there and. Uh, I was like 19 at the time, so maybe I was 20, I just turned 20, and followed him down in, in there, and I waited till everybody was done talking to him, and I shook his hand and said, Steve Cropper, you taught me so much about playing the guitar, and I shook his hand, and he said, alright, thanks, and I just walked away, and I was, <laughs> <laughs> but I hear he makes killer ribs, or uh, barbecue, or something like that. Really? He, yeah, yeah, there's a secret Steve Cropper recipe. I've heard about. That's not so secret anymore. No, I, well, it is. I don't know how to make it, but I just, I know of its existence. And if you can get, you know, some of his barbecue here, it's the best in the world. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is from Memphis, so. Yeah, I think that's, it has a lot to do with it. So have you been to Memphis before? No, man, have you? I've been, yeah. I went Once when I was a kid, I went to Graceland. Mm. And then I went, when I was living in Colorado, I went to go visit my friend Kurt, who lived there. And we went to the Stax Museum, and we also went to uh, the Gibson factory that's there. The, yeah. the hollow body and acoustic place. And that was pretty cool. Um, How was it? What would you think? It was interesting, dude. So we also went to Sun. Ah, oh, no. So it was, it was very badass, like, seeing all that stuff. But the town of Memphis itself is kind of like a sad place. It's like an American ruin. 
Like a, it's like the Detroit of the South in some ways. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of poverty. A lot of poverty. Yeah. Very economically just depressed and kind of downtrodden. It just feels like it got knocked down and people can't get back up. It was that kind of place. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's crazy because of, of the amount of history that th- is actually there. And to think of what it used to be, because it used to be like a cultural epicenter for our entire country. Mm-hmm. Memphis was a really big deal. But then it just somewhere along the way, it died on the vine. Was that their only industry was the, um, the music? I don't think it was. was I don't know what... Was situation. situation? There, there had to be something there, because usually, if you look back at musical history in America and everything like that, there's, so, there's some kind of vibrant thing happening in the town to where people can live and support themselves and then do music. Yeah. It was like Detroit and Motown and Iggy and the Stooges and the MC5 and all, all of the, that great music kind of came out of, out of the, uh, the assembly line. Like Barry Gordy, he got the idea from Motown while he was working at the Ford factory. Really? Yeah, because he thought, what if you can do this with a record label? And that's where he got the idea from. Oh, my God. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just don't put thought into things like that. Yeah, there's a lot of history. There is, yeah. yeah. You have to be able to survive and kind of feed yourself before there can be a great artistic community. I mean, I feel, that's kind of what's happening in Nashville right now. I feel like there's, a lot, there's so much opportunity to make money and just hustle in a lot of different ways where you can, at least I'm able to support, and I'm an idiot. I can support myself doing kind of whatever and, um, and still have the ability to make music and... Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're not going to make any money making music it's until, you know, until something profound happens. And, like, I, you know, I don't expect that to ever happen. So, f- for the time being, you know, whether that's from, you know, now until I'm 60, like, <laughs> I as good think as it gets. <laughs> one thing that transformed for me recently was realizing that I want to start living a life every single day that I'm happy with. Mm-hmm. And it used to be, I just want to be successful. I want to just have my life all set up. And I realized, no, that doesn't work out in the long term, really. The only thing that works works out is just, like, choosing the day-to-day of our life being good. And it seems that you kind of already live with that ethos. Because all you're doing is recording, playing shows, <laughs> working, and doing your thing. It seems like you're living a life you're very satisfied with. Yeah, um... Yeah, I, I don't know if I've even put that kind of... Because for you, you, you're saying that you're establishing that you want to do that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, when I look at you, I was saying, man, well, yeah, Taylor, you're doing that. But I'm getting there. Yeah, yeah. For, for myself, it was just... That, that's an interesting way to put it, because I've never thought of it that way. It's just kind of blossomed into, into something like that. Like, there's obviously places I want to go and things I want to do, but... I don't even think about doing stuff that I don't want to do. I just, I don't know if I have the capacity for that. I'm just kind of obsessed a little bit. Like, I'm very compulsive. I have a hard time going to bed, you know, just because I'll have ideas and I'll just... Like, last night, you know, I was I was sitting down trying to, you know, maybe get some sleep. And <laughs> I, I started getting in my head. It's like, I want to start using outboard gear with my DAW. And... I was trying to figure out a way to use my interface so I could run outboard gear through it and just went down this rabbit hole where I'm up to like five in the morning trying to figure out different ways to, to patch things and the different tools that I would need 
you know, just you know, running things in, running things out, running them through things in, in order to, um, you know, it just I went down a rabbit hole because because I can't I can't shut my mind off sometimes. It's kind it's, it's kind it's kind of a up. problem. Yeah, it keeps me up at night, but it's sleep's kind of not um, not important. Like I don't I don't look at like things like that to be to be important to the craft. You know, it's it's like if, I, if I'm well rested, you know, I'm gonna perform better. It's like no man, I'm gonna get less shit done. And that's just true for me. I don't think that's true for everybody. A lot of people need a good night, good eight hours. Dude, I fucking, <laughs> I fucking need to sleep. You need to sleep. Yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a sleep guy. Dude, I go to bed at like eight o'clock at night. Do you really? Uh, yeah, dude. I've been Fuck waking yeah. up at sometimes like three thirty, four o'clock in the morning. That's wonderful. Yeah, you're, you're a morning guy. Oh, fuck I've done yeah. that about you. Yeah, because you, the times you'll crash out here, and you wake up, um, and go like, I have no idea that, that you've even been here. You're gone hours before I even I wake up or something uh-huh. and it's like a day that I have to work like I gotta uh-huh. be at work at nine and you're, you've left at like 6 30. <laughs> yeah dude I'm, I'm up man I, and I never used to be that way as a kid like I always wanted to sleep in and I would stay up all night and um, truthfully I probably need to do that a little bit more just of course being a musician and gigging and everything like that because like yeah when I go out yeah. to a gig sometimes I'm I'm dead dude I'm on autopilot mode with my playing. Oh, seriously? Well, I don't think that's a bad thing, but because my mind is completely off at that point. Like, I'm, I'm, my mind would already normally be asleep by the time I'm going on stage some nights. Yeah, but that's that's a good thing, though. You, I feel like you play your best if it's um, if your subconscious mind is really, you know, dictating the things that are happening. Like, it really just that if you can shut that, I, I don't know, like that that input, like that sensory input that you're aware of, off. At least whenever you're trying to go up there and, and bring something out of yourself. Like, that's all stuff. It's, it's a pure. barrier. Yeah, so you can, like, you're always talking about the flow state and just getting in there. And, Dude. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, you just tap into something else. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I really have energy. struggled with over the years. Really, since I've been in Nashville, is just thinking too much while I'm, while I'm playing and on stage. And it'll still happen every now and then. Um and I'll, I'll, as soon as I start thinking about if I know how to play something is the moment that I start fucking it up. It's like, do I actually remember how to do this? Like, at our last gig that we played over at the East Room, we did a cover of Skater Boy. And at the beginning of it, like, my whole, the whole time I was like, do I remember how to play this? Do I remember how to play this? And I fucked up the intro, but after I fucked it up, it just, like, it came on. Yeah. Where I stopped thinking about it, and I just played. Yeah, that, that, that muscle memory, or... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, in, in accordance with, like, just the moment. Because when the moment asks for something, like, you're there, you're in that moment playing a, your role, like, your role as the bass player, you know, if you just let go, then you're going to be... You're going to fill that... You're going to fulfill that role! And yeah. you don't really have to think much about it. Like, you know, it, after, after you get to a certain point in your, you know, your musicianship or, or, or whatever, just feeling music rather than thinking music. Yes. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. It's like you're supposed to be thinking when practice is happening. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I found is like paying attention to what I'm doing and really trying to use my cognitive abilities to do that. Um, but when you're actually playing and you're playing with other people's like any of the legendary jams we've had down here, <laughs> it's been us just, just fucking playing. That's mm-hmm. it. Like not, no, nothing, nothing else but that. Like, that's yeah. been the only thing that's happened. It's just, we played. Yeah. That Gabby and I were talking about this yesterday. It's just, um, 
what like just jamming just okay so the drummer starts playing a beat man taylor's gonna start grooving on something and then i'm gonna react to your reaction and you know i'll start playing something then gabby will come in and she'll react to you know my reaction to your reaction to you know jeff and um it's it's that for me that's like my practice like that's but that's also like my my my, my I don't know, like spiritual center. Uh huh. That's that's a little bit. It's freedom. Yeah, it's free. That's that's exactly what I mean. Um, and <laughs> I can sit down and practice something a million times, but I'm never going to be able to think on my. And you can't train that your yourself to think on your feet, um, just through running scales or practicing a piece of music a hundred times because you know what if you're on stage and it happens all the time man i drop a bad note oh fuck yeah yeah i mean herbie hancock puts it um he had this session with miles davis and he said that he played the like the worst note he could have played in the middle of this this thing and he uh miles took a second he he breathed and played three notes and made his wrong note right and that's really like what you can do, man. You could do something chromatic or something, but you just need to know how to react to someone else's mistake in order to make it, you know, musical and fit whatever you're doing. Because m music's everything; it's just sound, and mm -hmm. you can make any sound work. Like if you just stop thinking in terms of notes, start thinking of all, there's a lot of other elements of music. Feeling. You know? There's feel, yeah. There's groove. There's um, there's rhythm. There's in front of the beat. There's behind the beat. And you can make all of those things sound good together if you just know your other elements of music, other than just notes. You stop thinking about notes, you start thinking about sound and feel. Like, you, you can't, you, you can make anything tasteful, I think. That's, that's what jamming kind of, you know, brings out. So we want to try and do more of that, get the, uh, get the flavor up. Good. Yeah. In your, in your guys' live act? Uh, we're trying not to do so much jamming. Like we we improvise all of our solos. Um, we improvise um, a lot of things. Like sometimes we'll let a, a thing groove on for a while, and we'll just groove on stuff. But because I used to be in a band where we would do exactly that. Like so for first, our our first song would always be an improvised jam, and we get up on stage. And drummers start playing something, bass players start cooking, I get on top of it. Get the juice loose, dude. Get the juice loose, man. And, you know, it'd be rocky for a second, but, you know, we'd do that for about seven, eight minutes. and then That, that magical moment when it starts to sink in uh -huh. after trying to find its legs where it's just like, okay, here it is. Here it is. And there's nothing like that. There's yeah. nothing like that in the world. I mean, there's you can crash and burn pretty easily, but those risks are just really, like, they get me off at music, you know? Like I love hearing people do that. Mm -hmm. Some of the most fascinating stuff, like hearing Zeppelin jam, they had some weird jams. It was just so unorthodox. They would jam a, a lot before like their their songs. Yeah, they would do like mini jams. Like they would do one before Black Dog. They would do one just like at random points in the set. Yeah, I I think what like the uh, if you look at that Madison Square Garden with that song remains the same like. Dazed and confused, it's like half hour. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. a half hour, man. Like, how could you pull off doing a half hour song in 2019 in Nashville? It just there's there's rarely a space for that. But we're working to create that space. I think where you know anything's possible. Just in our own situation, playing live with our fans and stuff. I'd I'd like to see more of just that kind of you know engagement, where where it's, people don't seem to have the attention span anymore. No, well, I think another reason why is because of music in general. Music is more visual than auditory today. Yeah. Because of YouTube. 
Yeah. You see music. You don't hear music the way you used to. If you, yeah. you can listen to music in your car, but it's going to be music, most likely with music, you've seen it before you've heard it. Yeah. And you get some kind of impression from it now. And the live record died. Uh, the live record is not a thing anymore. It's right. all live video, but I feel like live music is poised to make a comeback. Like, yeah. live albums are poised to make a comeback. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. But I think that's going to be the next thing that happens in the music business. As soon as we embrace the fact that we have imaginations. Yeah. And the power of our imaginations. Yeah, it doesn't have to be all spelled out for you. It doesn't have to be all spelled out. Yeah. Because everything we see, we see it we see it before we hear it. Mm-hmm. So seeing it before we hear it, like, if, if, you, if you look at any of the great... What is your favorite live record of all time? Oh, shit. Man, there's so many good ones. I mean, probably, like, Band of Gypsies. Okay. If I had to choose one. Like, one. Yeah. Uh, and why do you love it? What is it that you love about it? Oh, because it's... Yeah, like, there's... It's the most visual live album I think I've ever heard. Like, just how fucking tight the band is. How... Like, Hendrix's guitar playing on that. Like, who knows? The solo and who knows just goes forever and it just paints pictures emotional emotional pictures yeah it's it is it is deeply emotional like you can tell he was angry that night um especially well, at least on machine gun it's a compilation from the uh, like a few nights um like new year's um into 1970 so it was like four shows i think mm-hmm. and so there there's windows into all of those things but each one is kind of a a, a, a different like man them changes i, I go about that no 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 yeah, I mean, it's just the, the the relationship between the band and how they're they're st- they're starting to stop because I've heard all the all those cuts from all of those four shows, and every song is different. They're all structured differently. It was just they were riding the wind. There's a version of Stone Free um, that was I don't know which which concert it was, but it's insane just how far out that they would take it, and. I don't know. Maybe maybe I have to like that. That's a little personal one to say why that's my favorite. In a way, it's just like there's mm-hmm. so much about that album. It's overwhelming. Kind of thinking about it. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's yeah. something that you can imagine in your mind. It takes you to a place, right? Oh yeah, it takes me to a place. It's something that I wouldn't want to put on if I was like in mixed company and we weren't all sitting and listening to it. It's it's one of those albums. Like there's a few albums like that. Like certain things I don't want to put on because. You know, I can tell everyone in the room is just like they. You can tell when someone's not getting it. Yeah. And they're not feeling it. But when you do feel it, it's like you can't unfeel it. Mm-hmm. But a live album, like so many live albums, like all the Zeppelin live albums, um, I Grand Funk Lives, a fucking great live album. Like all these, um, live albums, like you do, you don't really get a feel for the band and. T- until you hear what they sound like live, I feel like. Yes, for the, sure. The energy. Like you, you, the energy doesn't always come off in the studio cut. Well, bands used to be broken like through the mainstream through their fucking live album. Yeah, Frampton, man. Frampton, yeah. Kiss. Kiss, oh, yeah, Kiss Alive, yeah. That was, one of my, that was probably my first live record I owned. Cheap Trick. Oh, yeah, Budokan, mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean that one of their biggest songs is a live cut. Yeah. I, I Want You to Want Me. Have you heard the studio? I have. It's not as good as the live version. It's so weird. Yeah, it's it's weird. weird. It's super weird. Yeah. But, yeah, I think um, live music, obviously, there's never been a bigger market, really, for 
concerts mm-hmm. and seeing live music and going to buy a ticket and going to see a show. Yeah. But in the same way that or the same way that Jack White capitalized on vinyl mm-hmm. and he saw it as a market, I think someone's gonna capitalize on live music and that being an experience. And there's something to be said for not seeing it and only hearing it in your mind filling in the blanks of what these people are like. Yeah. Yeah, it leaves a lot up to the imagination, and I think that's that's the big part about music that gets overlooked in you know this this day and age, because it's it's all handed to you, it's all marketed. Like they're like, okay, how can we exploit every detail of this and see how we can make money over it and see how we can push it far as it can go? And it's not really just music for the sake of music anymore. It's like it's it's treated so much like a product, mm-hmm. and and it's taking some of the magic out of that because, like you said, like here I was listening to. Um, uh, the Rolling Stones, uh, but get your, get your yayas out. And I was like, I tried to see if I could find some footage of, um, uh, what's the first song on there, like Jumpin' Jack Flash, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well, of course there's no footage to this, you know? I mean, there's footage of them playing it in there, and it's not very good because there was no emphasis on there. There was no market for it and everything. Yeah. It was just, you know, probably... It was expensive, too. Yeah, it was expensive because of film and everything, and at the end of the day, like, who cares? Mm-hmm. Like, who cares? I don't need to see this. Like, it's, it's the, it's, you need to hear it. I need to hear this shit. If I want to see it, I'm going to go buy a ticket and see the Rolling Stones. You, I, you can still do that. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the Rolling Stones in, uh, 2016 in Pittsburgh. How was that? Oh, whoa. I mean, we were in like, my buddy called me. It was like the, the craziest thing. He's like, Hey man, what are you doing tonight? Oh man, not much. Uh, what are you, what are you up to, Matt? I got two tickets to go see the Rolling Stones. You want to come? I was like, I have been, this concert had been looming. It was that, um. They, they promoted the hell out of it. It was that uh, Sticky Fingers tour. It was a zip code tour. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they were doing all the cuts off Sticky Fingers, which is my favorite Stones album. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. That might be my second favorite Stones album. What, Exile? You Exile guy? Exile, yeah, bro. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was that was probably the album I spent the most time with, those Sticky Fingers. But ex- Exile, like, man, I'm not uh-huh. taking anything from Exile. They grooved a little bit more, and they were jamming a little bit more on... On sticky fingers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really just um, uh, and let, let it bleed too. Like that whole that Dude, whole run let, out. Let it bleed. Yeah, let fantastic. It bleed. The Mick Taylor years. Let's be <laughs> honest. Yeah, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, if, if if Bill Wyman and Mick Taylor were there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So they were good. Dude, they were they were insane. Um, it was one of the best nights of my life. Just because they were the tightest band I still have ever seen in my entire life. Really. Yeah, yeah, it was it was sickening how tight they were, and I was just grateful for the fact that I had the capacity just to like digest how tight they were, how much I learned from that show. They just like watching Keith Richards be Keith Richards, mm-hmm. watching Mick Jagger be Mick Jagger, run around that stage. I don't know how old that dude is. This <laughs> just crazy man. They were just so crazy good and such wild performers. It was it was one of the best shows I've ever seen. I don't know how we started talking about that. Talking about live albums. Talking about live albums, dude. Yeah, okay, but, you know, you can go see the Rolling Stones, but it's, it's, um, live, live music for the sake of live music. I love listening to live music. Yeah? Yeah. There's, there's, I want to cut a live album, um, this year, for sure. We have plans for, I don't know, I don't know if we're going to be able to pull this off. We're definitely releasing, um, our, our debut album, which is, everything's recorded on it, it just needs mixed and a couple of vocal tracks mm-hmm. get that taken care of this summer and then we have a another 
set of recordings that are kind of all in just using the studio as an instrument mm-hmm. kind of stuff. You know, it's a little more like, like canned drums and just more groovy shit that, you know, Gabrielle and I have come up with. And we want to put that out this year, too. But in the middle of all that, you know, we're, we have some shows on the books that I'm really excited about that I know the, the audience is going to be there, too. And if we could record one of them and release them live, that would be Where are you going to be playing at? Well, right now... Um, we're trying to, we're trying, if, if anybody's listening, they can get us, um, get the High Watt to email us back. We're trying to book a show at the, uh, the High Watt for 420. I don't know if I can, we can't promo that yet because it's not the case, but, um. Trying to make it happen. Trying everything we can to make it happen because we got the lineup. It's going to be the morning after crew. Fucking morning after crew. Yeah. They were fucking cool. Um, ourselves and a friend of mine, Mulu. And uh, we're definitely going to do a 420 show. It's just we want to do it at the High Watt because that would be party time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also playing with uh, Black Moon Mother and, um, oh no, uh, The Shadow Tones, <laughs> March 1st at the East Room. We have that booked. And uh, there's, a, there's a couple other ones that are just aren't on the tip of my tongue. That and I, you have one this Sunday. Yeah, oh yeah, this Sunday for sure. I'm, I'm try- uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still thinking in the vein of live albums, like ones that I would, you know, necessarily want to record. Yeah, we're playing at the Cobra this Sunday, which I'm so stoked about. It's going to be our uh, third show with our new singer, Audrey McAlpine from Sister Man. Yes, yes, yeah, you have a new singer. Yeah, Audrey is fantastic. I haven't heard her yet. You haven't? I n- no, I haven't. I haven't met her yet either. Yeah, oh, Audrey's super cool, man. Yeah, she's a very, very down-to-earth human being. She's made a lot of really cool suggestions as far as um, just, like, uh, how we've been structuring some of our live songs and mm-hmm. uh, vocal harmonies and stuff. That because man, you know me, I'm not I'm not much of a singer. You know, you got style though. I got style. You got style. <laughs> yeah, I got some style. But you know, as far as we got some three part harmonies now, which I never thought is something that would be possible. And the Weird Sisters. In the Weird, yeah, I never thought that'd be something the Weird Sisters would. So Gabby is singing regularly now. Regularly, dude, Gra- Gabby has a great voice. She's a beautiful voice, and uh, she's so hard on herself. Um, but you know that just makes you work harder, for sure. Yeah, and so you know, we're we're just we're just trying to be the best we can be every day. But I'm really I'm really looking forward to playing Sunday. That's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm gonna have to try and make it out. Yeah, if you don't, whatever, man. We're always around, but it'd be nice to see you. So what else has uh, has Isaac been up to? And uh, in Graycroft Manor, shower cigarettes, shower ribs. What are we? What are we talking? <laughs> about? Yeah, shower beer, shower cigarettes, shower ribs. Um, yeah, all of the above. Uh, and just just recording. We just did that thing in Welcome to 1979. So I've been. How uh, was that, dude? Have you you have recorded in in many a studio? I saw you in a studio the other day. I saw a picture of you in a studio. Yeah. Where were you? I, we were in Columbia Studio A. How? Oh yeah, man! I was Bob I was Dylan wondering. recorded Nashville Skyline. I heard that um, Neil Young did some harvest there. Am I wrong? He might have. Yeah. I know it's. It, there's been like a ton of shit that's been recorded there. Maybe like, it was B or something. I I think it might have been re- recorded there, or at least part of it. Yeah, it was like mixed or something. Because we were supposed to. That, how did we, we were supposed to do something there like eons ago before Gabby and I were in the band? But we had a friend that had that space for a certain time he just wanted to do something creative and it ended up falling through but how was the facility like I never got to go in it was really cool cool um yeah Yeah, we're still recording there I'm working um on an EP right now with Kirk Morrow Jr. from No Name Blues oh for No Name Blues yeah Kirk man yeah so he's um 
Yeah, the per- percussionist on, on Gina, Gina, Gina. Yeah, I, I know Kirk, man. Yeah. Um, so we're working on we're working on that. But I was talking uh, I was talking to Josh Norfleet the other day about it, and I said like the two studios that I fucking produced something at have been like legitimate studios. Yeah, they're two of the best studios in in Nashville. So period. I'm two for two right now. You're doing good. Yeah. I'm excited to hear it, man. I didn't. I didn't know you were going on the project. Like yeah, that. yeah. Fun. So yeah, I'm. I'm trying to do a little bit more producing. Kirk asked me to do it, so I was pretty excited to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm. I'm staying pretty busy with a bunch of music stuff that I have going on right now too. Because it's like with Emma, you know, we're working on just gearing up for starting to try and play more gigs because mm-hmm. we want to try and make money and be sellouts on Broadway. That's that's really my dream. Dude, I if I would if I could. I just do not possess the ability to do... Like, I, I, I can't play covers. Every cover band I've been in, I've just been a half-assed guitar player in a cover band. It's just... I, I don't work if that way. If you were motivated to do it, you could do it. You have the ability and you have... The capability of doing it. I don't sure. know if I do. I you don't know. do, bro. I, maybe I do, but I don't have the capacity. It's just like... It's, uh, you do, man. I fail under those circumstances. Really, if I'm not playing my own music, man, I'm really, I'm really half-assed. Like, I, I would have to work... I have to work ten times harder. I'm like, I'm not talented. Like, I just, I'm just work hard. Like, mm-hmm. you know, to, be, to be where I am as a player, I work really hard. But if I had to go play someone else's music, I would have to work, like, ten times harder than I work now. Yeah. To, 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 to like, get to that point, it, just, it would just be insane. Well, what I've learned about myself as a bass player is that I don't have great technical facility, and I'm not going to be the number one person that everybody calls. Okay. But what I'm going to be is the person that can work really hard and, and groove pretty well, because anytime someone wants me to play with them, it's because I groove well or because I can rock hard. And those are like the, the two things. And plus... What else do you want in a bass player? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um... So that's what that's what I've kind of learned. So now I've really I've been practicing a ton too. Like I've been working on um on just l- learning how to like walk those jazz bass like chromatic lines and everything like that. Yeah. So I've been working from a notebook and transposing all these walking bass lines just trying to get better at that cuz really I want to learn how to speak eloquently about music that way if I'm producing or something like that. I'm not in a position to where I feel like I don't know what I'm talking about. Because I working at Blackbird, mm-hmm. I definitely noticed. I was like, that was the first time I was like, I wish I knew more than I knew right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had to just rest on on knowing to like to trust my instincts in that moment. Mm-hmm. But realizing that okay, if I ever get another opportunity like this, um, I gotta I gotta know more than I know right now. Yeah. So that was kind of like a, 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 a I guess a, I don't know what I'm trying to fucking say. But, but it you was re- a moment. Yeah, it was a moment. You recognized it, and you're like, you just, it's another one of those milestones that makes you want to work harder. Yeah, that's for sure. Th- that's what this town is to, to me. Anyway. Absolutely. It's just, just my whole time here has just been those realizations over and over and over again, like a couple times a day, every day. I don't, I don't think a day has gone by where I haven't been like, oh, fuck, I could do this better. I need to I need to explore this and work harder and exploit it and just, you know, figure it out so that next time something like this happens, I'm more prepared. The game is 90% mental, dude. The untalked about truth in Nashville. Because <laughs> you're against yourself, you're not against anybody else. Yeah, no, you're only against yourself. And anytime you think you're against yourself, it's actually just a mirror and you're looking right back at yourself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I found whenever I don't 
like someone or I don't like a situation is something that I really don't like about myself. Yeah. Yeah. I think probably like my obsessive work ethic is really just a probably me just running from like a bunch of shit in my past in a way probably has a lot to do with that but I just sweep it under the rug and just you know because it's it's a benefit it's if I'm using it to distract myself then it's in my benefit too because I'm actually getting a lot of shit done so I'm I'm kind of happy with how um if if that's how I'm going to be self-destructive at least it's working out in a positive way <laughs> For sure. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I'm using like my own self-destructive tendencies as a tool. <laughs> I've definitely been there. I, for me, it had a road where it had to end, though, because it was just I was not getting any more yields on it. Yeah. To the point where my life was completely falling apart. Mm -hmm. And I just spiritually felt like garbage. Where I felt like I really had nothing. I had no infrastructure in my life. I had no real close relationships. And I was just living in a very isolated place. So I am grateful for it. And I really learned a lot from it. Mm -hmm. But it, it forced me into changing. Because I felt for a long time I was just running from myself. You know, I, I lived all over the U.S. Yeah, you um, did. From the time that I was 18, you know, I've lived in Florida, I've lived in Maine, I've lived in Colorado, I've lived in North Carolina, and then Nashville was kind of the last place I ended up. That's crazy to me, actually, because when I moved here, I was straight from my small town. I, I haven't lived anywhere. I've been to a lot of places. Um, in, in I've never left the country, obviously, but I, uh, so I probably wouldn't have come back. <laughs> but... I, uh, yeah, I'm still, it was such a mindfuck to, because I never even lived in Pittsburgh. Like, I grew up in a town outside of the city. Mm -hmm. It was a real small town. Like, I look on the, my, my actual address was Cole Center, Pennsylvania, and I looked at the census, and it's like 130 people, you know? And it's just, that area is just surrounded by little Fields. towns. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it was a farm. I grew up on a farm. Yeah. And, um, but all the little towns around there are like, you know, 200, maybe 1,000, yeah. until, until you get to Pittsburgh. That's what all Pennsylvania is. And um, I never lived in the city. Like, I moved um, when I was 18, you know. <laughs> moved. I, 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 spent a, I spent a little time not knowing where I was living. But I, I moved, like, to a town over in Charleroi and lived there for about a year and a half. And I thought, man, you know, I'm living in the big town right now, oh, Charleroi, dude. Pennsylvania, yeah. son. And, you know, at the end of the day, it was just maybe like a 10-minute ride from like my parents' house, but I thought I'd really achieve some form of independence. And then from that moving to here, it was like, I'm st I feel like I'm still trying to figure out, you know, it's, it's definitely more comfortable now, but it's just everything's so big. And I know this isn't a big city. I mean, I've been to Chicago and, you know, spent, spent a little time in different cities and stuff, but it's just... It's it's still weird, mm -hmm. but it's starting to feel like a small town. I've been here for three years. Like Dude, all my, fr you know your way around. You know where shit is now. All of the people I know are starting to just like I see how they're all connected, and it's just Dude, weird. It's like totally. all. It was like I started off with like maybe three or four different little friend groups that had no idea who they were, and like. And then, like, the, the outliers of them started to know each other, and it's just, now I feel like... Everybody our, knows everybody. Everybody kind of knows everybody after a certain point. Mm -hmm. It's weird. 
well, we've been around for long enough now because there's a lot of people that are here, but I would probably say half the people you're surrounded by at any given moment are only just here for a second. Like they might be here. Think of how many people we've both known that have been here for three months, six months, and I've moved away. And that's not a judgment on them because it's fucking I, hard here. I almost did. I almost Dude, did. yes. So many times. It was always like, I'm done. I'm leaving this town. I was, it was always like, I'm moving out to the West Coast. I'm leaving this shit behind. Like, because I wasn't going to go back to Pennsylvania. Yeah. But then as soon as that would happen, it would just be like, something would finally give. Where it was like, I have no money. I'm not making any kind of progress. I haven't made any friends or something like that. Or, you know, someone's fucked me this way or that way. Something, something horrible has happened. Like, there's been so many disasters. Just like, you know, when you have no money, like something small happens, like your car goes, like... You get a flat tire. <laughs> well, flat tire, flat tire is relatively simple, but yeah. it's like something that's going to... When you're broke. When you're broke, something like that just kind of... Yeah, it can, it can derail you Spend your all thing. your fucking money fixing it. Dude, I pawned my fucking SG to make rent, like, my, my first few months here. And, like... Made, like, I was like, all right, I'm coming back for you. And I did, and, like, you know, but it was... I've, I haven't had three square meals a day since I moved here. Mm-hmm. Ever. <laughs> like, it's always been a struggle just to find food. Just because, like, even if I had money, like, I'm, I'm dumping it all into music. Like, food is, like, the last thing on my list. Mm-hmm. It's just, I just want to... i just obsessed. I just want to just be involved and be doing this shit and be engaged, like, 24-7. And if I didn't have Gabrielle, I would have destroyed myself probably already. <laughs> she keeps me in line. I had to uh to sell my '65 jazz bass that I had. Dude, that's right. Oh, dude, dude that, you never heard a... that, man. That was that was uh the fucking bass of doom, dude. It was it was good, man. It was good. It was sonic blue, matching headstock. Oh, um, oh god. The nicest neck of any bass I've ever played was that bass. <sighs> By a long shot. I oh, mean, Taylor. You can. I still have the contact information for the guy that I sold it to. All that shit, dude. One day it's gonna come back to me. I, I have some gear floating around in this world that I'm waiting to buy back. <laughs> some deep love. Deep love. Deep love, man. What have you had to part ways with? Uh, the Nashville casualties. Nashville casualties. Um, yeah, I had some. Uh, I had some uh, compressors that I had to let go, but they, they paid for my, uh, um, I, I was real lucky, I got a deal on, um, they, they were broken, these 1176s, and I, I got them repaired and I was able to sell them, and they paid for my, my studio setup here, and if you know anything about outboard gear, like, you know, uh, 1176s, like OGs, Rev A, Rev D, that's what they were, are hard to come by, are really hard to come by, and I got them fixed and I had them, and it was like, but I had no way to record, and I couldn't get on top of it enough to buy a Mac and or or a interface or anything like that. I just couldn't get ahead. Just couldn't get ahead as hard as I was working. Just something. You're just, just down, dude. Yeah, I mean, just down for like it fucking years. sucks, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, you can't work your way out of it, no matter how hard you work. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know, I didn't go. I didn't go to college. You didn't go to college. No, like fuck, it's, yeah. Yeah. How hard is it to get a job? It's gonna pay you, you know, halfway decent. Yeah. You know, I mean, even if you do have a degree, like it's still kind of like it's. Well, it's still a scam hard. even that way because it's like. You get a job that pays more, but you have to pay back all those fucking student loans. Yeah. So it all it all evens out. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You're not guaranteed a job, but you're guaranteed to have to work for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's true. It's, 
Like, if we if we just decided to be unemployed dirtbags, dirt we could because we don't have degrees. Yeah. <laughs> society wouldn't really frown upon us. Yeah. It's like, it like, like those guys didn't get to go to college. This is the kind of stuff we expect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've always been, like, very uh, prideful in, like, you know, not taking food stamps or, like, you know, living off the door or something like that. Because I feel like I definitely have the ability to, you know, I'm not, I'm not making ends meet, you know, quite the way they need to right now. And. But I would rather struggle because, like, I'm ready, willing, and able to do whatever it takes to, if something like that to happen. Yeah. If somebody needs something, you know, and they, that that's their only resort, like, There's that's other people out there who need those programs more, more than, than me, are. man. Yeah. yeah, like, I'll hustle, I'll lie, I'll cheat, I'll steal, whatever I got to do, man. But I'm not, you know, I'm not going to take food out of someone else's mouth or yeah. something like that. It's just not my place. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a 23-year-old guy. I can do whatever it takes. You know, I have everything in my corner right now. You know, so what if I'm a little shorter on cash? Like, you know, this sometimes is, you got to go to bed hungry. Well, no, this is this is the real shit, man. Because like we're sitting here and be like, oh yeah, it's it is hard, but it's so it's so lighthearted because we came down here. Like, if we weren't doing this, we would be so fucking far ahead because we got great work ethics and we could yeah. we, we could put a nice roof over our head and buy a house and do all this stuff. But we weren't dumping all our energy and time into this whole music thing. That's what this whole town is. I see people that complain. And complain and like really mean it because I'm always like, yeah, man, this sucks. But I got a smile on my face. Yeah, dude, we're getting I'm, to live the life that we want to live. People work their whole fucking lives and don't get a fucking chance to struggle at what they want to do. Yeah, and they're, they're afraid to. At the, I'm moving down here in 19. Like that's all I've been doing. I've been privileged beyond my wildest dreams to be able to get pursue to, our dreams to pursue my dreams. Yeah, just just to pursue them and like. So what if you fail? Like people, most people don't get the opportunity to pursue either. That you know, for, for for whatever reason, man. We're born in the United States. Like yeah, man. a lot of things going we, for we us. We got a we got a huge advantage. It, it was I was talking to Josh Norfleet about this too. Um, sometimes I'll go to visit him on. He works uh, downtown at one of the radio stations. Oh really? Yeah. So I'll go see him when he's when he's down there uh, on Saturdays because there's no one really around, so I can just go there and hang out with him. And we were we were chatting, and he's he's from a small town in Indiana, from Kokomo, Indiana. Oh, all those guys are right. Yeah, yeah. all from Kokomo. Yeah. Um, so cool. It is cool. Um, but we were talking about how most people like the life that we're getting to live right now. People would kill to be able to do it, and you're mm -hmm. just like taking a step back, and even though we're struggling sometimes, feeling grateful for the fact that we are here and struggling because there's uh, yeah. people that want to be here and they want to be struggling, but either their situation in life is holding them back, their situation of their mind is holding them back, they don't think they can be here, yeah, or that they're not good enough, or that that's a whole other thing too, where they want to be a big fish in a small pond. They don't want to have to come be a small fish in a, mm -hmm. in a big ocean of people that are exactly like them, which yeah. I think is a good thing. I think it's a great thing, yeah. I mean, it forces you to figure out what inside yourself makes you unique. You know, if yes, you, yeah, like well, what what makes you you and what makes you strong, you know, and what are your weaknesses? Mm -hmm. Those are those are big things. It brings it all to the surface when you're surrounded by people who are similar to you but have their own thing. Yeah, yeah, I love running into people like that. I've run into a lot of people that are trying to cop someone else's thing. Oh in this yeah, town. that's a big thing. That's a big national sure. thing, and. 
it, it always rubs me the wrong way, but then I, then I see it's like, well, this has just been your whole life. Like, once you get to know a person like that, it's just you haven't figured out what individuality means to you, or it's not important, and that's not yes. wrong, but it's just, there's a lot of noise in this town, and it's kind of hard if you're, if, if, if you're pursuing something, um, you know, just for the, just for the sake of doing it, there's all these people that are just out there for money and they're doing whatever it takes following for fame. The ads. For they, fame, they man. think it's gonna fill something in them, dude. Yeah, and fame's not, you know, it's like they, it's I, cheap, bro. You know what I'm after, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's cheap. It's cheap. Like fame's weird. That's that, that's a weird thing. I just want to like the best case scenario. I make enough money at music somehow that I don't have to have my day job. Yes, totally. <laughs> yeah, to make a teacher salary. Yes, that's the dream, dude. Yes, it's to be an independent party and you get to do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, and I would spend every day like today. Like, yeah, I, I woke up today. I um, I I met with the HVAC guy. He came in here. He adjusted my little HVAC thing. And while he was doing that, I built I built some clouds to put over my desk, and uh, then went and got, grabbed lunch. Came back here, played guitar for an hour, and then you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit here and talk to you. Yes, and then probably after that I'm gonna record some vocals. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's the perfect day. Dude, I do that the, every it's day. The, it's the dream life. It's the dream life. We can't really ask for much more. And, and you're still working because, like, some people, their idea of the dream life is just to sit in a, you know, fat armchair and, uh, you know, be on a yacht somewhere. Yeah, and look at YouTube, YouTube videos and jerk off. Like, yeah. it's not my, it's not, my, it's not my bag. But I, I like, I like working. I love to work. I love working Fuck on yeah. shit. East Politics. Coast baby. Yeah, yeah. It's that East Coast mentality. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get to work. Yeah, yeah, there's that sense of urgency if you're not working. Like, if I'm, if I sit still for more than, like, an hour sometimes, like, I just get this anxiety build up in me where I gotta, like, I either gotta make something or, you know, work on something. Like, Stay busy. Yeah, because all those things that I haven't done yet start floating to the surface, and it just, it propels me to do something different. But, mm -hmm. but that's just, that's my own bag. Like, that's not, I think there's a, a huge benefit to relaxation and, um, you know, spending times, you know, with a quiet mind, but... I have a hard time achieving that, you know, like that form of like med meditation, like whether it's through meditation or something else, just, you know, kicking back and watching a movie sometimes is, you know, as nice as that is, like I, I find that hard. It's just not, not like really that kind of guy. Not that anyone asked. Well, it's, <laughs> it's better when you feel like you earn something like that. Yeah. At least it is for me. For you, Spe yeah. Speaking for, from my experience, because it's just like. If I'm just sitting around doing nothing all the time, watching Netflix and like doing nothing with my life is when I feel the worst about myself. I know I got to get up and go for a run and then try and practice and then go take care of a few things, run some errands and do all that shit to get my mind right. Yeah. Get into a headspace. Get into the headspace. Yeah, I'll do whatever it takes to my body to get into the headspace. You know, whether it's just like, all right, I'm going to drink a pot of coffee. I feel like shit right now. I've got a runny nose. Like, I'm going to drink that pot of coffee and come down here and mix some shit. Because, like, cause it, and that's the hardest thing. Walking down the steps into the basement, sometimes after a day of work, that is the hardest thing. How do you do it? I come in through the garage and I don't go upstairs. That's, that's, <laughs> the, way, that's the way to do it. That's how I do it, yeah. Yeah. That's been, that's, been, that's been me lately. Like, I just don't even fuck with upstairs. Fuck dinner. Fuck everything. Just when we get in here and start working, get a couple hours in, you know, before before the evening gets ahead, before we got to do band practice or something, and just just do it that way. One thing that I found that helps me now is, is something similar to that. Is like I would go home in the middle of the day and take a break mm. from driving. When I when I and when I wasn't driving, I would um, 
I would say, okay, I'm going to go home and practice. And then I would get home and I'd be like, well, I'm going to take a break for 10 minutes. And that break turns into like, I look down at my, my phone and it's 2 p.m. And now it's time to go out and go driving again. Just like, no, as soon as I get in, I have to sit down, put my base on me and practice. Well, that's the thing, man. It's all about momentum. If you lose your momentum, then, then, you, then you're, you're, you're fucked. You know, sometimes the change of perspective is what you need. Like, you know, if you come home and like, you know, like if you, if you, if you got to smoke a joint or something or, you know, you know, to take a swig of beer or something just to like, just to just, do a hippie just, speedball, yeah, hippie speedball, just to, just, just to like change your perspective, like the mention, like just, just take the edge off the day or something. It's like, it prepa- it can propel you, like give you more energy to put towards something. Like, yeah. it's like if you, 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 it's like looking out a different window at the same thing. It's like, oh yeah, like this is this is clear to me now. It's like you know that 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 shit's it separates that shit from the next shit instead of it all being the same thing. Like you change your mental state, you can just it's a different side of the coin, and it just you know it, it it's like it, that that's how I separate my work bullshit sometimes. Like I'm on a horrible day at work. I'm like, oh man, you know I'm working hard. I'm not making enough money, and I walk in the door. And that, that's why my house has all the crazy lights, because I don't want it to be like, you know, anywhere else that I am throughout the day. No, this is different than anywhere else I've ever been in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I like that other thing, just to be able to walk into like, okay, yeah, this is, I feel like I'm walking inside of my imagination, because like so much of my This totally matches the inside of what I imagine your mind is. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine it's exactly like this. Yeah, a little more gold in the mind. You know, <laughs> yeah, turquoise chains and such. <laughs> Shag carpet. Shag carpet, man. Oh yeah. Oh hey, yeah. The light just kicked on. That thing comes on every once in a while. The nice. la- the lasers. <laughs> oh, that's badass. Yeah, I mean, it was like a Christmas thing. We're gonna try and uh, get a couple more of those and set them up and do a like a laser show, for a couple shows or something. Trying to like, cause um, I want to do something different. There are all these psych bands. Like I don't think we fit into the psych band situation you guys are different than that yeah and it's not that there's anything wrong with it i just don't i feel like we don't fit in yeah so you know we want to try and like you know all these second line shows like they're very cool and everything but they're they all have the liquid light show it's like you know a, a lot of bands that have like similar influences and stuff and you know but we don't fit musically and sometimes it's we want to try and figure out a way to like visually to to step out of the box too so that's that was just an idea Nice. Well, Isaac, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, it was good, man. Next time you got you guys got something, whenever you got the album or whatever, I'll have you back on. We'll we'll talk all about it with our close friend Gabby. Yeah, the Christ Killer. The Christ Killer. <laughs> Dude, I love you. Thanks, man. I love you too. Yeah.